You know, one of the hardest things for me to do as a pastor is to conduct funerals. It's very, very hard. I don't look forward to doing them, but I do do them. And see, when I go and do a funeral, I've got two sermons prepared. Sad but true. The sermon that I use when they're a believer and the sermon that I use when they are not. See, every funeral I've been to, I've always heard this. Well, at least they're in a better place. At least he or she is not suffering. Now, that is true only if that person trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior while they were still alive. I have never gone to a funeral where they say, well, I hope they're in a better place. And I believe, church, as a culture, even churches within themselves are preaching something not that is the truth. They are preaching the fact that maybe when a person dies, everybody goes to heaven, church, but that's not the truth. See, and I believe as a community we're believing that. I see posts on Facebook saying, well, today would have been daddy's 81st birthday. And I know, I know he's looking down. And I'm thinking to myself, not to be cruel, I'm just being real. How do they know that? Are they sure? And I hope they are. But the reality is this. Unless that person has put their trust in Jesus Christ, then they are in a better place. The reality is this as well, church. That when we die, newsflash, everybody's going to die. When we die, we either will go to heaven or we will go to hell. Period. There are no second chances. Today's message is not a very easy message for me to preach. But as Grace Bible Church, we will always preach God's word. And God's word is the truth. And here's what one commentator has to say about today's teaching. He says this, this is by far the most disturbing and frightful of all of Jesus' parables. It confronts us with the truths about eternity and the afterlife that we don't like to think about, but desperately, boy, desperately need to take seriously. Today, church, we are continuing our series on the parables, what did Jesus mean? And we're going to see the truth about what happens when a person dies. As a matter of fact, Jesus speaks more about hell than anyone does in all of God's word. Jesus himself says that hell is going to be full of religious people. That's what he says. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. Watch, this is directly Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the ones who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many, catch that, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? Didn't we do all this religious stuff? Didn't I go to church enough? Didn't I read my Bible? Didn't I help the orphanage? Didn't I do all these things, me, 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 do these things? And Jesus responds in this way, verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You were doing all this religious stuff, 
But all I wanted, Jesus is saying, is a relationship with you. You never trusted me. You were trying to marry your own salvation. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's harsh. That's something I hope no one wants to hear. He also says this in the same chapter, verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, that leads to hell. And those who enter by it are, here's this word again, many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are what? Few. Church, this is a harsh truth for me to preach about. But here is the truth again. Many of your loved ones, many of your family members, when they die, will not be going to a better place. Think about that. Now, now hear me again. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be cruel. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. I'm just preaching and teaching the truth as Jesus is and does. Sadly, many of you sitting here today, hearing my voice or watching on TV, when you die, you will not be going to a better place. And that crushes me. That's why I do what I do. That's why I share the gospel. And that's why as a church, we need to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, the only name that saves Today we're going to be looking at a parable that I think a lot of us are familiar with. It is a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. So if you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to Luke chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 19 through 31. Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. Before we jump in, I want to give us a little bit of context as always to better understand, understand Jesus' preaching and teaching. And as always, in a parable, most likely, what he does is Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the Jewish religious leaders of the time. Now, these leaders were preaching falsehood. They believed that they could be self-righteous enough to merit salvation. They love money. And Jesus, in this parable, is speaking directly to them. And he's going to show the truth as he always does. As a matter of fact, we know this to be true, that he's preaching directly to the Pharisees. Because right before, in verse 14 of chapter 16 of Luke, this is what he says. The Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things that Jesus was talking about. And they ridiculed him, as always. And Jesus says, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart, for what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. You guys think you're self-righteous, living the good life, loving money, but God knows your heart. One more thing I want to mention before we jump into the parable. Many scholars believe that this parable is actually a true story. It's not just a story to have an illustration as Jesus uses in his parables, but it actually happened. Why do scholars believe this? 
Because this is the only parable of all the parables that Jesus teaches where their names mentioned. And Jesus is going to mention two names, Abraham and Lazarus. Whether this parable is a true story or not, remember the truths that Jesus says are always the truth. So let's begin. Verse 19, chapter 16, the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says, there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every single day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, it says, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table, crumbs. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. Through this parable, we're going to see two extreme contrasts. And right off the bat, we see contrast in this, these men's lifestyle, how they lived. First, we see that there's this rich man. He was dressed in purple and fine linen, which represented royalty. And notice, he feasted on whatever he wanted every single day, not just on celebrations or big occasions. Every day, he had whatever he wanted. Now, this man, because he was rich, he was probably very influential. Also, most likely, this man was a Jewish man. Why do I say this? We're going to see in verse 24 that he is going to call out to Abraham and say, Father Abraham. So he was of the Jewish descent. Notice, though, that this rich man is not given a name. Even though he's going to be the main character of this parable, he is not once mentioned by name. Now back then, the false teaching was this. That if you were rich, that meant you were blessed by God. You were justified. On the contrast, if you were poor, that means that you were cursed by God. You were not justified. And Jesus, as always, is going to turn those false teachings upside down. Jesus continues, and he says this. Oh, let me talk about the Lazarus. I forgot to mention about the man, Lazarus. On the contrast... We have this poor man. We have this rich man who feasted on everything that he wanted. On contrast, we have this man, Lazarus. Now, he is named. And the name Lazarus in the Hebrew is El-Ezer, which means, literally means God help. His name meant that he depended on God for help and nothing else. See the difference? The, the rich man depended on himself for his justification Lazarus, which literally means God help, depended on God. Now, this poor guy, we're told that he is laid at the rich man's gate. He was paralyzed. So most likely, friends of his would put him on, in the gate of the rich man, in the, in the steps of the rich man's house, hoping that this rich man would feel pity on him and give him some crumbs that fell off his table. We also read that he had sores all over his body. And dogs came and licked his sores. Now back then, dog was not the man's best friend. No, dogs were considered vicious. They were considered filth. So picture again in your mind this poor man full of sores. And dogs would come and lick his sores just so that he could feel a little relief. Now Jesus continues and he says this, verse 22. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. 
Now, Abraham's side is another way of saying heaven. And now, by contrast, this is what happens to the rich man. Verse 22b. The rich man also died, he says, and was buried. And in Hades, which is a Greek word which translates hell. Being in torment, it says, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. Wow, what a difference. What a difference that Jesus is describing in this parable of what happened to these two men. Lazarus, the poor guy who suffered here, was no longer being laid up in the rich man's steps. Now he was carried up by angels into heaven. On contrast, we are told that the rich man who had everything he wanted here on earth was now in torment, suffering, in hell, in anguish. Right here, I'm believing that the Pharisees are saying, wait a second, wait a second. You mean to tell me that the poor man who was cursed by God is in heaven? That's not the way we were taught. And you mean to tell me that the rich man who was supposed to be blessed by God is suffering without any hope in hell? And Jesus is saying, yes, that's the truth. What a change of events. We have Lazarus that was a beggar in this life. And now he is in comfort for eternity. And we have the rich man who now becomes the beggar and is now is in anguish for eternity. So this rich man starts to beg. And listen what he says in verse 24. He calls out and says, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. Send Lazarus just to dip a little bit of water, just so, so I can have just a, a little bit of relief. Now notice, this rich man still thinks that Lazarus is beneath him. Send him. He's a servant. I am commanding you to serve the servant Lazarus to give me a little bit of water. Because I can't stand it. I am in anguish. Notice also, notice that this rich man never repents. He doesn't say, man, I'm sorry that I'm here. I don't want to be here. He says, I just want a little bit of relief because I am suffering. Notice also he doesn't question it. He doesn't say, wait a second, Abraham, this must be some sort of mistake. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be in hell for eternity. No, I believe that, uh, that the rich man knew that he needed and should have been there. And he understood that. And yet still believing in his self-righteousness, he's calling out to Abraham to send Lazarus to come and help him from his torment. And watch how Abraham responds. He says, child, verse 25, remember, remember that in your lifetime you received good things. You had it all. You wanted it all. The good life, you had it. And Lazarus by contrast, had bad things. But now, now he is comforted in my arms, Abraham says. And you, you are in anguish forever. Abraham is telling the rich man, it's too late. 
You had your chance while you were alive. You had your chance to repent. Now it's too late. You can't do anything about it. And then he goes on in verse 26 and says this. And besides all this, besides that it's too late between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to. And none may cross from here to us. You had your chance. And now even if I wanted to, it is impossible. You can come to us and Lazarus cannot and will not go to you. As a matter of fact, this word chasm literally means an unbridgeable valley. Abraham is telling the rich man, your fate has been sealed. You are going to be in anguish, in torture, in torment, in, in, in torment suffering forever and ever. Listen to what I'm about to tell you, church. There are no do-overs. Listen, there's false teachings out there that says that when we die, most of us will be going to purgatory. Not true. Not biblical. There is no purgatory. There is no in-between. There is no second chances. When we die, we either go to heaven or we go to hell. And it's up to us in this lifetime to determine which way we're going to go. How does that happen? Trusting Jesus Christ. When someone receives in the heart the good news of the gospel, when someone believes in the heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and that was sufficient, that was it for the forgiveness of our sins, at that moment we are justified, and at that moment our destiny for eternity is sealed. There's nothing you and I could ever, ever do to merit our salvation. We can never be good enough. I hear all the time at funerals, oh, but he was such a good person. Church, good people doesn't make them go to heaven. Forgiven people makes them go to heaven. It's a fact when we are forgiven by God through the work of Jesus Christ, when we trust in that, we are forgiven and we are in eternity at his side. That is the gospel. That is the good news. So Abraham says, okay, let me ask for something else. So he begs for something else and he says this in verse 27. Then I beg you, Father, to send him, again saying, send this servant, Lazarus, to my father's house. For I have five brothers so that, they, that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. It's too late for me. I get it. I can't go to you. You can't come to me. I get it. But please send Lazarus on this mission trip to tell them that this place where I'm at for eternity, hell is for real. And I don't want them to join me. I don't want them to realize it before it's too late. And Abraham responds in this manner, verse 29. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear for themselves. Abraham is saying, they've God's, they have God's word. They have the prophets that proclaim the gospel. Let them hear and receive that. That is the power that they have in getting salvation by hearing the good news, by reading about what Jesus has done at the cross, by understanding the
the gospel. I love what John MacArthur MacArthur says about this. He says this, there is no better method or more effective messenger with special power to give sight to the blind or life to the dead. The power is in the word of God. Paul puts it this way in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And Abraham is saying, let them read the Bible. Let them hear from the prophets. But the rich man, he says, no, he continues to beg. Verse 30, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Catch that. Now for the first time, the rich man says, I understand what it takes. Repent. Something I didn't do. But my brothers, they're still alive. They have that chance now. Let them repent by seeing a sign, by seeing this miracle, by seeing a dead man come to life. Because I know my brothers, they're like me. They love the riches of the world. They think they they can justify themselves. Please, Father Abraham, send them a sign so they can repent. And then he responds in this manner, verse 31. If they do not hear from Moses and the prophets, neither, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Abraham tells the rich man, if they don't believe in the gospel, not even this miraculous sign, not even bringing Lazarus back from the dead will convince and soften their hearts for them to repent. Months later after Jesus tells this parable he goes Jesus does and he does raise his good friend Lazarus from the dead and guess who was there to witness that the Pharisees guess who heard this miracle the sign of what Jesus had just done bringing somebody back from the dead wow the word got around and the Pharisees heard but you know how they responded it says that they plotted to kill Jesus. That was their response. What Abraham is saying, not even a miracle as such will ever convince anyone to trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus puts it this way as we saw in the first parable. Those that have ears, let them hear. Years ago, I sat down with a friend of mine, a a good acquaintance, we do spinning, we do cycling together. He was having marital problems. Again, this was five, six years ago, and I sat down with him, and as always, I tried to share the gospel, but he's an atheist. Wouldn't believe. And after hearing his side and me trying to share the gospel, I stopped and said, hey, man, okay, let's just consider this. Let's pretend if you're right, and when we die, blackout, nothing else, that's it. Nothing happens. If you're right and I'm wrong, what do I have to lose? I lived a great life. Loving one another. Loving Jesus. Proclaiming his love for us. But if you're right and I'm wrong and I die, I have nothing to lose. But what if I'm right? What if I'm right? What if you don't repent And you die, and you go to hell. See, Paul puts it this way. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, he says this, they will suffer the punishment. 
they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Always, forever separated from God, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Sorry. I haven't heard from my friend. I don't know where he's at. But I pray that the Holy Spirit has softened his heart. I pray that he understands one day that I'm right, that he's right. Church, I tell you this because I love you. I love my Grace Family Church. I want all of us to be in eternity with him. Worshiping him is now. You think the worship is good now? No offense, but you ain't seen nothing yet. You think the preaching? Well, you don't think it's good. But, man. So let me ask you this. I want you to reflect on this. Again, don't take it the wrong way. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. But I know I'll be with him in eternity because I've trusted Jesus Christ. And I want you to do the same. Ask yourself for a minute. Just ask yourself, are you serving God really because you love him? truly or are you just depending on him like a genie are you serving God because you fear going to hell if that's you that is that is selfish if that's you repent love him for who he is let me ask you are you waiting on a sign on this miraculous thing to happen some religious event something that will bring you to faith if that's you then that's not real saving faith repent and trust in Jesus Christ and let me ask you church if you're like my friend that just doesn't and won't believe I pray that you repent come to him with your heart and say you're sorry that you are a sinner in need of a savior repent and trust that what Jesus Christ has done was sufficient for the forgiveness of everybody's sin I pray that we become that church let me leave you, leave you with my sermon point because we have two choices either we receive the word of God or we reject the word of God so I pray as my sermon point says that my response to the gospel will guarantee my eternity how you respond to the gospel in this lifetime determines where you respond you will spend your eternity. Church, if you're not sure this morning where you will be when you die, if you're not sure that if you were to die today, you would be like Lazarus in eternity by him, if you're not sure, please come up to me. Come up to one of the deacons that will be praying up here. Come up to one of the leaders. Email us. Contact us before it's too late. We want to just share with you. If you got any question, if you have just a little bit of doubt, just reach out to one of us, to anyone here. Because I know, like it is my heart, that everyone turns to Christ. And that everyone is in eternity with him. Let's pray. Father, I do give you thanks and praise that you offer salvation to anyone who does trust your son. Father, I pray that your words today captured our hearts. Not to be fearful of you, but be, be humbled by you. Knowing that you desire all to be in eternity with you, but 
Father, I know as we just read that, that's not going to be the case. So I pray that we are a church that puts with utmost importance sharing your son Jesus Christ with family members, neighbors, with anyone that we come across. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel, as Paul says, for that has a power to save. We love you, Father. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a blessed week.